Welcome to the HR on the Offensive podcast, brought to you by Lace Partners. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the latest HR on the Offensive podcast. It's me, Chris Howard from Lace Partners. As always, thank you very much for joining us on this, well, Thursday afternoon when we release, but I don't know, you might be listening to the podcast at any stage. You might listen to it when you're on a run. You might be listening to it at the weekend, but uh, thank you for joining us nonetheless. We're very, very glad you're here, and we're very glad to have an interesting topic and a fantastic guest today who's going to talk about a research paper that uh, the guys at WageStream have produced. Now, I'm going to introduce uh, our guest in a second, but before I do that, it would be remiss of me not to bring in my partner in crime for today, because we do love to have two laces on the course so that we can banter off with each other. And it's Adam Morris, who's our payroll expert. Ad, how you doing, mate? You right? Yeah, I'm very good, thanks, Chris. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad. Are you ready for the banter, as the kids uh, call yeah, it? Well- I noticed that you'd set that up, so high expectations. <laughs> so unless you're entirely hilarious for the next 30 minutes, Adam, I will judge you. I will judge you Thank incredibly. You. Thank you. <laughs> uh, let's get our guest on, though. And it is um, Peter, uh, Peter Briffett, who is the CEO and founder of WageStream. Peter, how are you doing? You all right? Very well. Thanks, guys. Very well. It's lovely to have you on the show, and it's lovely to talk about This is a topic which I think is particularly fascinating and a lot of people are talking about at the moment. We've certainly talked about it when we've run events. We've had uh, payroll professionals talking about it. We've had HR talking about it. And it's around this concept, this idea of financial well-being. And you guys wrote a report which came out uh, this year, 2022, uh, based on some data that you'd collected towards the back end of 2021 and also the beginning of 2022. The report's called The State of Financial Wellbeing, the UK Workplace Report 2022. And what we'll do is we'll put a link in the show notes when we actually launch it, uh, when we launch this podcast so that our guests can download it. Before we go into that specific of the report itself, can you give us a little bit of a, a shout out in terms of your background and also WageStream as a business as well. Yeah, my background would take a very long time. I'm too old for that, probably. But um, WageStream, Wage, I mean, our mission is to improve the financial well-being of frontline workers. We believe the only way to do that effectively is partner with employers and provide a set of financial services that have a positive impact on their workers' financial health. So through an app, we allow frontline workers to have full visibility of their pay in real time. They're able to access their pay throughout a pay cycle and if they're unpaid wages, they can access financial coaches. They have these industry great savings products that are available in the app and all sort of paid for and provided for by the employer. So, but our mission is really to help that sector of the population that we now term frontline workers, used to be called blue collar workers, but those that need to be sort of present in their jobs and you know, historically have never been very well looked after by banks. They're always charged more for financial services than high net worth oligarchs, which is just a ridiculous situation that we're trying to solve by offering these financial services to employers. Yeah, Peter, thank thank you for that. And the report is really, really interesting. I, I read it over the last um, couple of days. And um, before we delve into the specifics, can you just give us an overview of, of what's involved within the in the in the white paper? And also, why did you write it? 
Yeah, I mean, it's a great, it's a great question. Why, why do you do? I mean, our business is financial well-being. Our technology enables, you know, positive financial health. So our view is, if you know, if we're not interested in this and we're not researching this and we're not understanding this, then who is? But yeah, what the it was a, it was a, it was a very sort of the, probably the biggest, you know financial well-being report that was released in this year in Britain we we um, had over 30 questions in that report and we took data and questions from 5,000 employees um, over 600 uh, sort of senior people leaders across British industries and across sectors so it's quite a thorough uh, report which I obviously being being the uh, founder of Waste I, I want everyone to read and understand but I think you rightly said financial well-being is moving up the agenda in in large employers in Britain it's becoming although people generally don't define it they define it in different ways the 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 the, the reality of trying to help someone's financial well-being is definitely moving up the agenda and we just wanted to give people information around what the state of the current financial well-being is in Britain so they could figure out ways to help their staff and look at opportunities or solutions that may improve the financial health of their staff. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. It's detailed as well. Like quite often um, you see some of these reports that uh, they kind of scratch the surface, but there's quite a lot of detail in there. And this is a 30 minute. Most of our listeners will know this. We we do 30 minute podcasts here at Lace Partners and we are not going to get through all of the uh, the different topic areas. I'll just give you a quick breakdown of the of the different uh, main topic areas that are discussed in the report. And then we'll go into just a few interesting sort of stats that came out of each of them. So there's, of course, the impact of COVID-19 and the rising cost of living. Uh, there's a section on are the UK employees feeling supported at work with their money? There's a section, of course, on what support with money do UK employees really want in 2022, which I think is really interesting, actually. Um, there's a couple of actions. Um, sections which I thought is really really good because often you get these white papers and it's a here's a state of the nation but then you often get the well okay what's next and so there are some practical bits in there as well and as I said uh, we would like we would encourage you to download and, and read the whole report because it's quite fascinating and what we're going to do is just touch on those those stats today but those two final action sort of sections that I'll just mention before I, we go back and delve into this the impact of COVID-19 there's an action in there which is help employees save in 2022 and then there's an action which is encourage uh, conversations about uh, money. So let's start with the actual first section, which is the impact of COVID-19 and the rise, rising cost of living. Really, really interesting first stat to start with, actually, that I thought was interesting. 24% of employees say they worry every single day about money. Um, and that's, according to your uh, data, that's up 8% compared to a year ago. So can you just reflect on that stat for me? Like, why do you think it's more of a worry than during the pandemic itself, because I would have thought that during the pandemic, people would be worrying about money more than than at the moment. Is it because of the cost of living that we've I mean, we've all heard the stories about energy and stuff like that, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the, you know, most of this data actually was collected in December. So it's actually even before the cost of living crisis was really being keenly felt by most of the population. So this has been a growing issue. And it is true. And probably everyone can associate with this that financial stress affects pretty much the entire population at any one time. And depending on your income level and the situation you're currently in, it can be a lot bigger stress for you that overtakes everything you're trying to think about or smaller. But everyone, I believe, carries some financial stress. But clearly, um, you know, and, and, and very dependent on your situation, but but clearly, you know, more and more employees are worrying about this, worrying about the future, worrying about their job prospects, worrying about their, you know, ability to earn a wage. So that 
exuberate a lot of the issues that came last year. But now with the cost of living crisis, this is becoming bigger and bigger issue. And that financial stress has has impacts on all areas of your life. It's from financial health to physical to health and everything else. So it's definitely true this situation is getting worse. So I think the report shows you the current state financial well-being even based on sort of december january data but i can tell you we're going to do an interim report in the next few months actually and i think it's going to be a hell of a lot worse i don't want to know what the percentage is going to be when we run it again because right now every single person in britain is feeling the, the you know the cost of of living if you're filling up your car or, or buying milk one of the really interesting thank you um peter i think one of the really interesting stats that that helps that or um, enhances that for me was the was a stat around two percent of employees think their employees are worrying about money and there's clearly a huge discrepancy there why do you think there is such a discrepancy and, and also what do you think employees can do to support their people more yeah i think there's a few things here and i think it, it, some of it goes back to history there is a stigma we're in Britain talking about money. People don't want to talk about money. To this, you know, the, the worst situation financially people get in, they'll be hiding bills under a carpet. They don't want to deal with with money worries or money issues because it is such a stress. But conversely, with with employers, you know, people don't generally want to talk about money, even though bizarrely, you know, pay is the biggest benefit a company gives their staff. There is no bigger benefit. Um, you know, you can have your fruit bowls and your yoga classes, but I don't think anyone stayed because you ran out of bananas or oranges. They stay because that they feel, you know, empowered there and they get paid well or they get paid. So, you know, I always say to people at Waystream, I mean, people hopefully love working at Waystream, but if we didn't pay them, I'm not sure what our attention strategy would, would hold up, right? People leave. So the reason there is a stigma around pay is, is quite odd in reality because it is it is the biggest benefit that a company gives their staff. So making that pay more visible, more real, more flexible, all massively important things that people should be discussing. But the reality is, um, and the reason there is this disconnect between employee needs and what employers perceive is there is a stigma talking about money and people would rather not talk about it. So there you've got that, you've got that going. Um, and that is not just a UK thing, but of course our British stiff upper lip means this is probably worse in this country. And also we think employer, employers are definitely overestimating the effectiveness of the support they're giving. You guys obviously know what financial well-being is. Everyone talks about financial well-being now, and it's, as I say, it's moving up the agenda. But I could ask 100 different employers what financial well-being means, and they'll give me 100 different answers. For some, it may be financial educational materials. For some, it may be um, better pay. For some, it may be pension schemes. So there is, there is a, 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 a large variety in what people perceive to be effective. And that's something that's also an issue, because if you think you've got a financial well-being strategy, the reality is it may not be actually having any material positive impact on your workforce, even though you sort of tick that box. So I think those two things combined mean there is a disconnect. I think with technology now and, and, and the service offerings, people need to make sure if, I, if you're going to put a financial well-being strategy in place, make sure you can measure it and make sure you understand what the positive outcomes should be so that you can actually, you know, go, wow, this is something that's really helping my workforce. I think what you're just saying there is really, really interesting. There's two things that popped into my head as you were talking about it. The measuring it, 100%. I think if businesses can measure it, they can then start to quantify the impact that it's having and they'll probably sit up and take note a bit more. But also the bit that I've just written down is getting proper communication in place with your employees and not making the assumption that everyone is a uniform persona. Everyone is a uniform type of person within the business and people learn and people absorb information at different rates. I'll really give you a really, really good example. Um, we've got, uh, I've, I've been working with somebody who 
is a young person entering the workforce and he's only just started working with the uh, team and he said to me oh can I have a chat with you about something x and, and I said yeah cool just drop something into my uh drop something in my diary and he said to me I don't actually know how to do that because he's never had to physically use the system that we use to book diary space in and I made just the assumption that oh he'd, he'd just know that and it's the same thing if you think about it with people and their financial well-being making the assumption as an employer that everybody has a certain base level of understanding is quite a dangerous thing perhaps very, very dangerous and it is absolutely true i mean i've got my two sons sort of doing their gcses now and sort of exams you know there is no financial education gcse there is no teaching or learnings around financial education or we do a bad job of it in our sort of you know in the in the educational process so you come out of you know education or university whatever you expect it to be a master of budgetary and understand the financial world and you know start a job and then not get paid for six weeks and then after week two you're in all sorts of trouble and no one really told you that stuff so it's, it's absolutely true there is a lack of financial education but the the also the way to or organizations can help staff it's sometimes it's you know well, i've got a, a library of financial educational tools on our internet i can guarantee you no one ever reads them right there's no one ever got home after a hard day's work and said well i'm going to read that budgeting brochure my company gave me i said i've got an hour free stop netflix i'm going to read the budgeting brochure people's financial needs like you said are very um, bespoke to them and, and different and change and move with the times our financial worries today were different from a month ago or a month ago everyone's you know with, with, with the changing dynamic of the economy and everything else so making sure you've got almost a real-time tool whether it's a financial coach or whether it's um, some sort of system where people can ask questions and get bona fide answers i think it's really important we we started our our you know one of our products our financial educational product with static pdf educational materials and of course we all like to think it was useful utterly useless we and then we've changed it to real-time financial coaching in apps so people can ask a specific question that's important to them at that time and get an answer and maybe be directed to some content that may help them but you know i think those things are really important um that that financial education is not just a one-off website with information it's a real-time journey that people you need to support people as they understand you know the things they need to understand about finances and i i wouldn't say i'm amazing at financial budgetry either by the way and i'm clearly a lot older than someone just joining the workforce so it, it's something that shouldn't should never be taken for granted and i think it it does get people in a lot of trouble in the early days of their working life because it, you know you're not you, you don't know everything you need to know and you probably just don't budget i mean i've been i think i went through my whole 20s not going out in the last two weeks of a pay cycle so, you that know, those things, <laughs> those things sound familiar to most people. Now, had I budgeted better or thought about maybe a day ahead, um, I, I would be good. And I think or we believe the employer, who is the most positive financial institution in most people's lives, right, they actually pay you money. They're the ones that the reason you can pay your rent, the reason you can um, afford food and the reason you have shelter, etc. Whereas banks and everyone else seems to try and take from you all the time, they're always taking from you. Whereas your employer is a very positive financial institution. And we believe there's a bigger role for them to play here rather than just pay you every 30 days in a bulk sum. Why can't you provide educational materials? Why can't you provide some sort of coaching support or employee assistance program? There's there's hundreds of them out there. Why can't you, you know, make sure people have visibility of earnings and um, those types of things it, it's it's an employer responsibility i think because financial health 
is a is a really really important issue and if you do it well people love you for it conversely with financial products there's never an in between you either people either love you or hate you and employers need their staff to feel you know in bonded to them and and comfortable working for them and that's it's a big thing you can do it's the most important like i said it's the most important benefit yeah, that's really interesting, Peter. And I'm, I'm just reflecting as you were you were talking there about maybe some of the people that listen to this this podcast and maybe think that actually some of those might could consider themselves employers. So, what are maybe some sort of top two or three, without going into the the details of the the, the white paper or giving too much away? Maybe what are your top two or three tips and um, that employees can start doing right now to to help with that financial well being of their of their employees and maybe close that discrepancy between. Um, the amount that worry about their financial well-being versus the, their employer's perception. Yeah, I think um, what one th- oh, certainly it depends on your workforce and if you have salaried workers, shift workers. One thing that we put in the app because when we integrate with you know employers, we we pull out all earnings information, we put it on an app, and we show the you know you know shift workers for the first time how much they're earning how much they're going to earn and that visibility is that is is unbelievable for a lot of people consider i mean i'm sure we've all had pub jobs or i i I washed dishes for pizza express as one of my first jobs i had no idea what i was going to earn that i mean i had an idea right but i didn't really know and how can you budget if you don't really know what you're going to earn i had different shifts overtime saturday shifts I, i was all going on and if you can give people full visibility of what they're going to earn and capacity to earn in that pay cycle they're going to make different decisions so i think visibility is really really important and i think you know you as an employer you need to understand where those financial concerns are being distributed around your organization it's mainly the managers if you've got a distributed workforce that are that are having uh, having those financial challenges i mean chris you said you just employed someone that is that's come into the workforce they turn to you for financial advice so have you given your staff and your managers the right tools to deal with these issues and have you you know it, and it doesn't even have to be you know advanced budgetary experience in most most employers actually do have some sort of assistant program the problem is no one knows about them including the managers so have you actually trained your managers and let them understand that that they're able to do that and I think it's also having you know financial educational programs that are just consistent and there all the time you'll be surprised how many people will engage with you know real-time people coming in or training people up it, it should be an evergreen type of thing as opposed to oh we'll have a savings talk once a year and then expect everyone to be good at it. i think it's a, you, you have to have you know have to have a forum where these things can be talked about um very important yeah certainly do you know what i thought was really interesting in the report we're kind of apologies to our listeners but you can read the report but we're sort of jumping backwards and forwards into some of the uh, different topic areas like i'm just reading when we look into the section which is the support uh, what support with money do uk employees really really want what i thought was really really interesting was it talks about um like people want more content from coaching but also blogs like 15 percent uh, saying that in the report and i thought that was interesting and i guess it goes back to what you were just talking about with there's just not enough signposting is there is it just that is it just that there's not enough content out there at the moment because financial well-being has been something that's been talked about for well, at least maybe a year or whatever it is in the context of employers doing more to help employees is there just that there's not enough people that have talked about it and therefore there's not enough content out there or is it just that is it just that there needs to be better communications and signposting 
it's it's 100% the latter. There's a huge amount of content out there and a lot of it in real time and relevant for today's world. What a lot of employers do, we found, is they they have some sort of financial educational content, but it's static and a year old, which is which is which is out outdated. So it's it's very much signposting and 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 getting employers. And this is part of the communication, getting employees to understand that there is you know a world that that there's people they can speak to there's there's you know there's there's forums they can go to to understand things and that's why i think with our financial coach project it really is people can ask a question then we can point them in the right direction it's very hard to provide financial tools for everyone until you understand what their financial problem is or what their financial issue is once you understand that you can point them in the right direction so i think it's 100 percent signposting i think a lot of employers actually want to do this they have you know they have things in place, but people just don't know about them. A good example is, you know, the Retail Trust, it's a great charity, does a huge amount of work for retail workers in Britain. Um, and a lot of companies will, you know, have the Retail Trust as part of their, you know, wellbeing programme and people can go there if they really get in financial trouble, but people aren't aware of it half the time. And that's their biggest challenge is the awareness piece. Um, conscious, obviously, that we, Chris just mentioned about material there and, and, and blogs and podcasts like this one as well. But what about actual sort of putting money on the table? So I think one of the, the stats that I quite liked from the from the white paper was about a rainy day fund. And I think 61 of uh, percent of employees want to build a rainy day fund for themselves. So so is that something that employees should help employees be doing? And 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 how should they be doing that? What's your perspective? I had a hundred percent like you are the one that pays people and therefore your ability to help them take some of that money and put it into a savings fund and build a buffer up is, I think is really important. And we've seen with data organizations or companies that their staff have bigger savings bucket are less stressed, you know, there's less absenteeism, people are more productive. It's a, it's a really big thing. Bear in mind in Britain today, 55% of UK households have less than £200 in savings. I mean, just think about that, 55% less than £200. So if I my boiler breaks down, my I, I get a flat tyre, I have some emergency expense and I'm in between a pay cycle, I haven't got savings, Maybe I've got a bad credit score, can't get overdraft, can't get credit card debt. What do I do? I may have to turn to you know a predatory lender or go to one of these where the worst thing anyone can ever do in their life is is a payday loan. And then I'm in a real cycle of trouble because I'm paying back, you know, if I if I borrow 250 quid, I'm paying back 460, just a horrible situation to get into. So I think the employer's responsibility very much don't is prevention. Right. You can't if someone's in a cycle of debt, it's actually hard to extract them from that unless you have to take really sort of different measures. But if you can prevent people falling into debt, giving them flexible pay, stop them falling into debt in the first place is really important. But it's really interesting with savings because we we sort of part of when someone enrolls in Wavestream, their net pay passes to our platform. And we said to everyone, look, start a savings product. Um, and, you know, let's take five percent of your pay and put it into savings now. Only about 5% of our users, we've got over a million users now, actually did that until one of our engineers came up with this concept of save the pennies. So now we round down people's shifts. So if I earn £40 ATP, round that down, put that ATP in a savings account. And 45% of people did that. And we've now got like 60,000 people in the UK saving for the first time. So there's, there's smart ways an employer can help their staff with this. And it's really interesting. People want to save, but there is a barrier to saving, which is, oh, I don't want you to take any of my money and I don't and I'm already struggling. So I don't want to put any of that in a savings account. So it's making it easy, accessible and real for people to be able to do it almost in real time. And then over time, you build that savings habit, which means if you do 
have an unplanned expense, which everyone has at some point in their lives, they can take care of it. So I, I, I your question is, did the employer take some responsibility? Absolutely, because it, it helps them as well. Right? It's a bit of a, it's a two-way thing, isn't it? There's a, there's a degree in which the employer has the responsibility and then the individual obviously needs to take some responsibility as well. But I'll tell you what I wanted to just touch on. I'm just slightly moving, well, we're staying within this sphere. There was a stat which stood out um, under the, the impact of COVID-19 sections. And um, the biggest issues that uh, employees are, are facing are the financial concerns, which you've talked about, and you've, talk, you've talked about measures that you can uh, alleviate that for, uh, through using the tech, for example, that you guys have got with this, the round down the pennies um, approach. But that stat around how it impacts mental health, I mean, for all of the things that we've talked about, so it's 34% have said that it's, it's having an impact on their mental health. Does, does, that, does that seem quite low to you, given how many people have reported that they have such financial concerns? Or did you kind of think that's probably about right, like one in three of the people that were surveyed? Yeah, no, I think it, I think, and I think it's higher now. I think it's higher yeah. today than it even was six months ago, because like I said, everyone carries some financial stress and it grows and grows depending on the situation. It's definitely true. There is a, a real time link to mental health. It has there's a lot of mental health issues that come from being severely financially stressed. So, um, yeah, I think it's got bigger now, if, if, if that's the answer. And I think that's that's the problem. And I think, you know, HRDs are waking up to the fact that there is a big link between mental well-being and financial well-being. They're all interlinked. Um, and there's a lot of issues that come from having bad financial health. Your, you, you know, you, you, mental health problems follow that or vice versa. So I think it's, 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 it, I think it's a lot higher now. Yeah, I, I think that uh, it'd be really interesting to read the follow-up report on this, Peter. I think when, once we've done it, obviously through, through the first half or sort of for the first quarter of this year, to see how those rising prices have have impacted people and if there's been any change. I would be very surprised if that numbers numbers lower. Definitely, from a personal perspective, my anxiety has grown around around these items, and I'm yeah. sure that I'm sure that, that that's the same with with others as well. I just sort of want to sort of go back to to the actions within the, within the white paper. I think there's in there. I think you call it the four conditions necessary for saving success framework. Can you just give us a brief overview of of what that is and 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 how people can be implementing that in their lives. Yeah, I think it's it's really important if people are putting in a, a savings scheme or putting a savings policy that they understand what why people save and, and what and how to incentivize the people to save, knowing that they obviously want the business outcome of a, a happier, more productive staff. So I think number one is, you know, the desire to save needs to be there. People need to want to save. And again, it's you ask people, you know, you tell people to save and they may say, well, no, I don't want you to deduct for my paycheck. But if you do some smart things around that, most people want savings. Who doesn't want more money earning interest in accounts? So it's but it's making sure that, you know, you've got that right and it's it's easy to do. And I think secondly, and really importantly, motivation to save. And I think technology does a great job here. I mean, if you are saving for a reason, you are 80 percent more likely to save than if you're just saving for an unplanned expense. So, you know, I think Monzo does a great job with money pots, people, companies, you know, put, put, assigning a reason for that savings pot. It may be for a holiday. It may be for, you know, some a, a child's birthday, whatever it is. But having a motivation to save and even we found when companies start savings clubs between employees and they start looking th those are really great reasons for people to start saving for the first time 
Thirdly, ability to save, right? You have to be able to save. And I've always said it doesn't, we're not expecting people, certainly from a frontline workers, to save hundreds of pounds a month but just give them the ability to easily save because you'll be surprised even rounding down shifts are actually equated to more than us taking a 3% deduction from salary, but it means you've built, you're building a savings habit. Um, and that savings habit is something that can help you, you know, for many, many months and years to come. And also the ability to resist depleting those accounts, right? So you shouldn't just save for a short period. It's like, it's like dieting. You don't just want to save for three months and give up. It should be a repeatable process that allows you to do that. And there's, you know, lots of technologies now, lots of behavioral science has got great ways of, of allowing you to, to save and, and make it really easy and convenient. I think the, the, the most important thing is not, not make it a real barrier, make it easier, convenient to save you know, employer's own pay, you can deduct little bits from salaries, you could do smart ways of, oh, you've just done an overtime shift, why didn't you save that shift? That's additional money you wouldn't have got this month. Those types of things, all available through sort of Waystream, allow you to have, build this framework. And then what happens is you see people starting to save and those cushions they save make people feel a hell of a lot better because financial well-being is a feeling of control. I'm more in control of my financial life. I feel better about it, you know, as opposed to, the worst case is out completely out of control, hiding bills under the carpet. That's a converse. And that's what, what you don't want anyone to have. Yes, indeed. And do you know what this is? It's, it feels crazy because we are almost on the half an hour already. And um, there is so much more information in here that we can go through. Um, but again, we'll leave our listeners. We'll leave that little dangle that carrot of our <laughs> listeners to uh, download the report. But just before we wrap up, uh, there's just a final sort of the action section. I just want you to just to summarize for us, um, uh, Peter. So um, there's three actions uh, that you talk about when you're engaging conversations about money. Be clear on roles and responsibilities. Use money champions and never let an opportunity to go to waste. So just sort of reflect on that. Touch on any of those before we uh, before we say goodbye today. Yeah, I think I think. Number one, opportunities for conversation. So make sure your business people, employees in your business have those opportunities. Not everyone, Chris, you know, can go and talk to you about their money worries. You need to make sure that people are aware, managers are aware that they should be able to have these conversations and don't stigmatize it for, for whatever you do. Money champions in an organization are great to have. We've seen Amazon now have a financial well-being officer in the company. They're dedicated to looking after the financial well-being of their staff. Those types of roles being created help destigmatize all this and make sure, you know, managers and your company talk about money. Don't throw it under carpet, deal with it. You're the biggest and most influential financial institution in people's life as employers. Make sure you're proud of that fact and help people as much as you can by creating, you know, flexibility in, and, and educational materials. No, that's brilliant. And Peter, once again, it's just been absolutely fantastic having you on, just talking, touching on the report a little bit. It's really been quite an eye opener. It's a, it's a fascinating read. Again, as we've said, we'd put, we'll put a link in the actual notes when we uh, release the podcast. But just, for, just as we wrap up today, I just want to say thanks, yeah, um, for coming on the show. No, thank thanks, you, guys. Really interesting. Thank you. Yeah, no it's been brilliant. Great to speak. You can, of course, you can, of course, get this podcast through all of the usual podcast channels. We're on Spotify. You can uh, search for us on Apple Podcasts. You can ask your Alexa device to search for HR on the Offensive. And you can also see us on Stitcher and SoundCloud. You can go to the Lace Partners website. You can go to www.lacepartners.co.uk forward slash podcast, and you'll find all of our back catalogue of podcasts as well. But from myself, from Adam and from Peter, thank you very much for listening. And we will see you next time 
on the HR on the Offensive podcast. <laughs>